Fun fact about Steph Smith. When she was 12, her email was Spud Rules with a Z because she's cool. And then her password, so no one would ever guess it, was alone again. I had a lot of feelings. So deep. And then when she got a little bit older, she decided she also wanted to put that into a tattoo. So she got alone again in Morse code on her body. <laughs> it's the best. The best. <laughs> I made that decision as an over 30 year old. <laughs> the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're long-time friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for good sheilas. Hello, mates. Hello, mate. And hello, Steph Smith. Hello, mates. (laughs) So this week we have a guest. We are joined by award-winning director, writer and voice actor, Steph Smith. She has worked in... (laughs) I know. You have to deal with it. This is... We will give you praise. This is professionals, yes. She's worked within television, film and commercial uh, across many genres, actually. She's amazing. She's directed narrative drama, comedy, sci-fi, mockumentary observational documentaries, music videos, she's worked with kids heaps and she's got two of her own. What the hell? What can't this woman do? What a <laughs> bloody joy to have you, Steph Smith. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, welcome, mate. So this week we're going to unpack being the mid-range generation and what it feels like to be told side parts and skinny jeans are for the old and the tragic by Jen said. How very dare they. <laughs> We're also talking about having big dreams and what it feels like to keep striving in the face of occasional wins and occasional setbacks. If you love listening to Good Sheilas, please remember to subscribe, leave a review or share us with your mates. Because we love making this podcast and we love our community of dickheads, which is you. You. Everyone you. listening. Steph, Steph, <laughs> welcome. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thank you so much. Um, you said, what can't she do? It's number twos on a reliable schedule. <laughs> something my bowels have never been able to overcome. So that's oh, fine. So yeah, we're talking look- just frantic, like all hours. It's like 3 a.m. and your body's like, it's time. Or like... <laughs> No, it just, it's like chronic anxiety just decides to go, I'm going to hold this in for seven days. Oh, my Um, God. Which sounds sometimes quite helpful because who likes doing a poo at work? Or if you're away on a shoot for like three days. Oh, no. I was complimenting your lips before. No wonder they're so swollen. That's right. And I... I'm going to chalk that up as a plus, so still, what can't you do? What can't you do? You still haven't given us anything. <laughs> exactly. I can hold my poo for seven days. That is a fucking X-Man ability. 
That's That's good. Thank you for turning my negatives into positives. Guys. Always, always. We're so Steph, good at it. <laughs> Steph, how do we know you? We have met you a while back, maybe not as early as Alone Again, but we have met mm. you. Uh, we met you a long time ago. Can you remember how? Yes, uh, school. Yeah. Um, Narrabunda <laughs> College, uh, a, a week into being 16 uh, and having just lost my virginity um, <laughs> at dra drama class. Um, we, were, we were all drama nerds together, we weren't we? Yeah. Oh, I just yeah. had this beautiful kind of ebb of nostalgia. It was really, really fun. So we did a play together, which made zero sense. And I remember thinking <laughs> it was so profound and so intellectual. It made zero oh. sense. What do you remember about the plays, Deb? Uh, just a lot of Tom Waits. Is that the <laughs> Tom Waits play? Um, that was where we did a we did a creative reworking of uh, Alice in Wonderland. Did we not? <laughs> we did. <laughs> where we went away on a retreat uh, because retreats are the only way for young actors to create an ensemble, but also for older male teachers to. Uh, pray seed, seed themselves in those young <laughs> relationships uh sex fest but oh, that's fine so inappropriate do you We've, ever yeah. look back yeah do yes. you look back on that and think how fucked that was yes yeah, i do we talked yeah. about this recently because so for um we actually quite a few of our listeners went to school with us and for those will they will know we were uh, drama at this school was really intense it was mm. never like a, it was never like just an elective you accidentally took you took it <laughs> if you were planning to be either tom waits or nicole kidman and so you were like this <laughs> is our, this, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and so but and, and then the teachers were really really strangely invested in it as well and they turned into like kind of gods so oh, we were always time. we just we praised them so much and they were um well one once one was i think pretty above board but another one was he would often um, bring coffee mugs full of red wine to like the 9am class mm. and we all knew this. You're probably talking about my favourite teacher. <laughs> yeah, but broad one, I was like, and I hate you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think you were either one or the other. So people, it was oh, quite yeah. divisive. It's like I am this teacher's um, in on team and you're in that teacher's team. And then um, and then they would – we always went on camps and these camps yeah. would be – there would be so much booze there and there'd be 16 and 17 year olds everywhere and then ex-students would be there as well so like these blokes mm. in their 20s who would be there just kind of loitering around the 16 year old girls and the yeah. teachers were like this is all normal that's the bit Lo that really troubled me like on re recollection like the the like yes the drama teachers kind of impropriety was one and like having parties at their houses and getting drunk that was weird but like also that there was an environment where like men in their 20s came and hung out with teenagers and all like they mm. ended up dating them and having sex with them mm. like that yeah. was just a really broken and that we thought it was completely normal it's just it's a really awful well, we yeah, there was a, were... a lot of emergent sexuality on display. I feel like, in fairness for the teachers, though, I'm, even though I hated one and I loved the other, I, I felt like they didn't do anything that was particularly fucked. I think it was no. the teacher's assistants. Yeah, yeah. but they, let the, they knew that they were there. Like yeah. I, I think that because yeah, okay. we because we are old, uh, much mm. older now. Um, I think that those things flew in those days a little bit easier. Mm. So now, like as a high school, as being a high school teacher, I'm like, there's absolutely not one thing 
that happened on those camps that would have been okay mm. now. It would have been, it's so hard to get fired as a teacher. I tried heaps, mm. but it was, it was, um, <laughs> but it was uh, like, th- like, the, like in those days, it must have been absolutely impossible to do all of those things and for everyone to be like, yeah, that sounds absolutely appropriate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, that's really, that's so interesting though, because I feel like obviously we have the lens of Me Too, particularly with mm. my, my career as well as a, as a writer, director, but I, it, I feel like I want to almost defend them, which is a bit fucked as well, because I'm kind of like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Like I never <laughs> got raped. Um, <laughs> but, but that's what happens when you're in a cult, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. You're like, yes, everything was, they, they were protecting us. And you're right. Like I don't, I don't think they would be doing anything malicious. Yeah, I, I just think that maybe it was, um, it was d- dumb, dumb yeah. as opposed to uh, so in- ignorant creepy. as opposed to intentional. Yes, don't you reckon? Yeah, they were. I don't think they were trying to be creepy, and they mm. themselves weren't mm. necessarily creepy. But the people that they invited mm. seemed creepy. And what I loved about that class so much is that they treated us like we were adults. Yeah, that was really loved meaningful. That. Right? It's like I feel seen. I feel seen, yeah. and mm. I'm never going to be alone again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fun fun fact you will you'll die alone um but that's fine you are just an inspirational speaker she's here to make us all feel really good i have a girl i have a girlfriend and she's really self-deprecating and we were having a gin the other week and she was like wow steph i love hanging out with you because i thought i was bad but you're just terrible (laughs) you treat yourself like dirt so that's great (laughs) Yeah, I reckon I would put, uh, if someone had said, could you please describe Steph Smith, I mm. reckon self-deprecating would be in the top five things. And that's, well, I reckon that's so. a compliment. Yeah. I, I think so too. Yeah. I think so, so too, would... but I keep getting told that for my career and what it is that I hope to one day achieve mm. that apparently uh, it's not the best pathway to success. But I'm yeah. determined. I'm determined to prove people wrong. Yeah, good for you. I mean, and I do want to talk, I think that's a really interesting point. I do want to talk about that. But first, we have to talk about Gen Z. So we're talking about teenagers. We're also like when we were them and we didn't understand ourselves then. And so now we're going to talk about Gen Z uh, and what they, ha- or how they feel about us millennials. To start with, Brun- hold up, hold up. Who is a Gen Z and what is am I? <laughs> <laughs> you are an idiot <laughs> congratulations no okay so we're divided each of these age groups were divided into handy groups depending on when we're born baby baby boomers are the, the most popular obviously they're we those with them, them. <laughs> yeah. <Such> I miss <laughs> They're the victims, Claire. They're multiple investment properties born between 1946 and 64. Then there's Gen X. Um, they're famous for grunge, MTV and the Karen. And they're born between 65 and 1980. So we haven't been born yet, thank heavens. So our illustrious generation, we're the millennials, which doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like it fits us. I feel too old for that, but good for me. Uh, we're born between 81 and 96 and we're famous for not owning many houses and um, maybe hanging around teachers who probably shouldn't have been teachers. <laughs> and the youth of today, uh, they're born between 97 and 2015 and they're Gen Z. And they're just not fans of us. And that is all over TikTok because, guys, what we like 
is abundantly uncool and this includes <laughs> side parts and skinny jeans. This has become an all-out intergenerational war, which has coined the very excellent term, if you don't have a fupa, you don't get a say. To start, Steph, what's a fupa? What's a fupa? That was what I was just going to say. <laughs> what actually is it? a fupa? It sounds like a, like a fupa super, like it sounds like something you retire with. <laughs> really, really showing your millennial. It sounds like superannuation. <laughs> Fupa, fupa. Um, is it uh, is it the way in which you wear a bum bag, but you wear a crossbody? That so is you look close. like a drug dealer. That is close. Do you want to know? Do you want to know what a fupa is? We are I joined by illustrious, very awesome millennials like Beyonce, bless her, who also has a fupa. It's not a fun. It's not a fun. I'm really embarrassed to say this out loud. Actually, fat upper pussy area. So it's when. Because oh you've had children, God. you have children, you have a bit of a, a fat bulge oh, a, above your It's a gunt. Vagina. It's a gunt. A fupa is a gunt. It's a gunt. What's a gunt? What's a gunt? Gunt is a gut. Gut, see you next Tuesday. A gunt is a fupa. So a fupa oh, is a gunt. So why would they is a millennial. Is a movement. <laughs> gunt, is, what, gunt is one of the best words that's it's ever been. It's way more fun than fupa. Yeah, yeah, it is, and all of these just make me feel bad because I have a gun and I've got a fupa. Hello, <laughs> you've got two, one on the front, one on the back. <laughs> exactly, I've got a fupa and it's called my face. <laughs> Great for retirement. Um, that's dumb. That's dumb. It is yeah. dumb. It's upsetting. And look, okay, let's talk about us. So when we were teenagers, we were kind of coming into our own, and there were some weird fashions, and we came into our twenties. And skinny jeans were amazing, right? They're just like, they're just so, they melt onto your legs. They're stretchy. <laughs> they're not very forgiving. But God, they made me feel like a woman and I'm still wearing them. And now I'm a loser, it turns out. Yeah, when did they become cool? Steph, do you remember when you started wearing skinny jeans? Oh, yeah. Um, like early 2000s, don't you reckon? Yeah. Like it was just oh. after, so... How do I how do I remember this? I remember on um, Y2K New Year's Eve got my first period, um, oh, and then beautiful. What so, a time! <laughs> best day of my life. Um, and then after that, so that was 2000. I reckon we graduated in 2003, 2004, yeah. and I know for a fact that I was wearing skinny jeans in the final oh, year of school, so year you 12. Would have, yeah, you year 12 would have early. I, I don't think I, I, don't I've never been as cool as you, Steph. I think I started yeah. in like maybe first or second year uni. I think I was still rocking a, a bell bottom for this. Oh, like really like scabby back. Like yeah. you just dragged them through the oh, mud at McDonald's. It's, oh, it's yeah. so revolting. Yeah, yeah, yes, Steph, you were definitely 100% way cooler so than Claire cool. and I combined. So 100%. it does make sense that you were wearing skinny jeans. But as time progressed, Claire and I eventually evolved into skinny jean wearing people, didn't we, Claire? And then we evolved foopers. <laughs> yeah. We had lots of kids. Mm, fantastic. <laughs> but so I did not know that skinny jeans were out. Did you Very guys know that? I didn't know that either. Who decided that? Um, what fupa decided this? Gen Z. Gen Z have decided. So Gen Z mm. are on TikTok and they are millennial shaming. And for the first time, <laughs> I feel aggrieved and I feel old. And this, the other thing they're saying is that a side part, side parts are, are not cool. Well, why am I supposed to part it, Claire? Just sh shave your head, Bron. <laughs> I don't have to. 
I've had a side part for such a long time. And now I had this crisis this morning where I looked in the mirror and I was like, no, 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 no. Middle. Don't you do it. Middle, in the middle, middle. The, the bum part. That's what that's what they were called in high school. Is when a boy had like the that like kind of what is it Nick Carter, yeah. like that bowl cut, oh, and then yeah. he had a bum cut, bum bum part. So I feel like if I, you know, when I go to the hairdressers and then they cut my hair, they're like, which side do you part it on? And then there's a pause when I'm trying yeah. to work it out. And then there's that moment where they go, or oh, do you part it in the middle? And then we both laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> we're and not like, idiots. <laughs> Don't have a bum part, you idiot. Well, I was yeah. I was in front of the mirror this morning and like and I tried to part my hair in the middle, but one <laughs> side is significantly longer to get yeah. with the side parts. So I look wonky. So if I walk around with my head on like a ninety degree angle, I can probably <laughs> pull it off without getting out the scissors. But Steph, you rock. Actually, oh my god, you've got a middle part. Do you wear skinny legs? Oh, mine, mine does um, accidentally fall into a, a middle part, and I honestly cool. No, no, no. And I do you remember when you did last wear skinny jeans though? And the only thing is, I haven't worn them in years because I love chocolate mm. and felt really uncomfortable whenever I would wear my skinny mm. jeans recently. But I had been on a. Um, diet because I'm a hashtag wanker <laughs> and I was one of my goals was like I'm gonna feel good in my clothes and I'm gonna put on skinny jeans again but now I feel like if I do that that's just you don't have to keep eating the chocolate this is <laughs> eat the chocolate this is the lining <laughs> thank god thank god but I Claire you wear skinny jeans all the time I haven't worn skinny jeans since I I've become pregnant I, I, I love it I love a high-waisted skinny jean because yeah. it just yeah, makes same. you feel good Tuck but in your not fupa. anymore. I have, yeah, exactly. They hold in my fupa. They they just I don't know. They just feel really good. And so now what I, are we supposed to I, wear? We yes. This is the thing, mate. Was what this, am I supposed to do? Jeans, bootlegs are back in. Um, baggy mm. jeans are back in. Anything but the skinny leg, mate. Like <laughs> the skinny legs are trash. I'm burning mine as we speak. No, I'm not burning <laughs> mine. I can't do awesome. it. Yeah, but so the boyfriend jeans, I think they only suit. Like I could see Steph Smith wearing a, a, a boyfriend jeans. Yeah. Claire, you and I. Can <laughs> 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 jeans. They're also. I think they've been updated with boyfriend because I'm pretty sure they were called mum jeans for a while. Not boyfriend yeah. jeans. Yeah, oh, that makes they are. sense. They're sold as mum jeans because um, I know because I bought a pair. Um, yeah, And I did. Googled on the website mum jeans and oh. they came up. Oh, my God. And so that's maybe mum, mums are trendy now. Is that what mums they're saying? Cool, exactly. say? Sucked in. Like <laughs> you just like, trumped yourself. <laughs> yeah, the tables have turned. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Okay. All right. I just so feel like if I start to wear a mid part and baggy jeans, I'm not going to look cool. I'm going to look like I've given up. No, you'll look like you've had a midlife crisis for oh, sure. I don't know what's worse or better. I think I think what's better is a midlife crisis. Okay, great. On it. So go for it. <laughs> go for it. Just I'll... lean in. <laughs> <laughs> Dive in. I haven't given up. I'm in full crisis mode. I'd love to see that. What does this mean for where we are in our lives? That we've got the generation above us, kind of out in the world, vocally criticizing us. What does that? What does this feel like, guys? Oh, pretty normal, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think we've we're the generation that has succumbed to our own disappointment. Is that not right? Like, like we're when. (laughs) 
not Al- alone, alone again. again. Yeah, hashtag not alone again. Um, nev- we'll never own homes. Um, we certainly won't get a retirement scheme from the government because they'll have phased that out by the time that we're old. So it, I was reading something that aren't we going to work until we die? Yes, um, fantastic. Which is so exciting. Um, and then... And <laughs> And then, you know, uh, everything else we do is wrong. Like our relationships always fail or yeah. don't we today, have to Today I'm having this conversation instead of antidepressants, so that's great. <laughs> well, to save some money. <laughs> Just a little bit of positivity. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I've pretty much just succumbed to whatever the reality is and I tend to not give a shit. Um, I'm a mum of two. I'm in my... I'm very much mid-30s this year. Thank you so much, ageing. I don't have to care anymore, do I? Do I have to care? No. No. That's gorgeous. No, you do not. No, we do not. You know, I'm going to put my gunt in some mum jeans. Yeah. (laughs) Get your gun no, out of my face. No, in skinny jeans, stuff it into the skinny yeah. jeans. Yeah, make it, stuff it in so it spills out the pockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cozy. So boomers hate us because they think we're lazy and Gen Z hate us because they think we're daggy. Why else would they not like us? Just because we're shit cunts. <laughs> um, I don't know. Does everyone have to? Can't we all just get along? Is that really lame? But like... Because um, we we're sitting in the middle, and surely, mm. surely, the generation above us, whatever the fuck number they are, numeral. What is it? Not numeral. Gen Alphabet. Gen Z. They letter. They they probably felt <laughs> letter. Thank you. That's the word. Um, I'm a professional lady. They probably have felt exactly the same as us. No, and don't mm. you think the generation below us will probably at some point feel exactly the same as us? So we are all in the same boat no oh is that too zen so no one, kumbaya does no one does no one like anyone no or, one likes anyone that's oh my god wrong. we're back in drama we're school we're back in drama school oh my god i just had if a heart attack team, is anyone you. here a doctor <laughs> <laughs> i think i think the generational divides are that you know like anything else they're a way to kind of make groups and they're a way for us to distinguish ourselves and they're a relatively new thing as well. They're, they're a product of the 20s, you know, when people started to talk about generations. Not the 20s, as in I meant the last decade of the 20th century. That's what I meant. Good. This is, this is some learning. I don't know. What I think I did really do need a doctor. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> they're a way to kind of distinguish ourselves from, like, no, it's not just about, like, fashion and, and trends. It's about kind of behaviour and ideologies, right? So... I think our generation has a distinct kind of set of ideologies and the next generation are like, actually, we think differently and we interact with the world really Mm. differently. And our future is really different to yours because of what the world looks like now. So we just want to we just want to make our own mark. And by doing that, we're going to outwardly reject some of the things that you guys do, including um, your haircuts and your pants. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. When you put it like that. I feel like I interact with gen- like a number of generations all the time. Mm. Like uh, uh, when we picked up the girls from school the other day, um, Lucas and I both went together because we'll have too much time. And we um, <laughs> we turned up and uh, we, as we're leaving because there's a high school attached to it, um, there's a swarms and swarms of teenagers kind of heading to the bus and whatever. And they're they're in their own little world. They've got their phones out. They can't really see anything apart from the things that they care about. Mm. Like, you know, just exactly what kids do. So, um, and Lucas is like, oh my God, I can't 
um, I can't, I don't know how to relate to these mm. people. I was like, well, they're not trying to relate to you. Don't worry about it. Just keep moving. He's like, it feels weird being around so many of them. I'm like, why? But then I realised it's because I always around, uh, you know, mm. for years yeah. I was around teenagers. But, I mean, it's, it's funny how, like, we, um, you know, little kids are in their own little world and then teenagers are in their own little world. And then when do we expect that little world to kind of, not be there anymore mm. like did are we in our own little world i think we are, are. We still mate? i think oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you look at you look at like when i see teenagers for example or kids in university they look impossibly young to me they're, and i think they're really cute i'm like look at you doing cute things thinking of people and mm. they love they that love they that. really they love really that respond to that when i yell that <laughs> in the streets you think you're people mm. <laughs> um, but, but i mean you think about who you notice and who you relate to it's like other parents right and like women who are having children and like people our age that is that is where the focus of our attention is and it's, it's just who we relate to so yeah where we are in our mm. bubble but I mean I don't I also don't think that because there's so many parents that I haven't I, I, I will never gel with like we'll have completely different like I know coming up here I, f- I feel a re- in Brisbane I feel like the mums are different in Brisbane than they are in Melbourne and then I'm trying to kind of navigate this I'm like oh okay we talk about our husbands a lot up here. I don't have a husband. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. And then, I, so it, and then, so it feels like even just the narrative is is different. So I don't know. I don't know. It's really. I think it's really interesting. So it, to the only world that we can relate to is it just women who are also mothers who are from the same place. That feels like a very small world. <laughs> I feel a lot of life is kind of reflective of the high school um, playground kind of thing, mm. though. Like, and and at every stage of our life, we're just still living out that same kind of trope over and over and over. We just happen to not be at high school anymore. We're at work, or yeah. you know, we're we're retired in totally. the old folks' home, and Carol over there yeah. is a bit of a shit. You know, like it's all <laughs> she's shatter pants. <laughs> she Look just loves paper. attention. <laughs> <laughs> I You're right. I don't, I don't think know. we. I don't think I don't think we change much from high school, and I don't. I, I think that the social situations are just as awkward mm. as what they were in high school, or totally. they can be just as like just as like um, trite so um, you know the people who have problems with the people who that they've worked with I know that Claire you worked with a woman who was particularly horrible she would have been exactly the same way in high school Mm. and she's just learned that that's how she gets her way is to just constantly be horrible and to intimidate people oh great qualities she was a gen (laughs) Z yeah so this so she would that would have been how she lived her life and with very minimal punishment or kind of consequences I should say and then so it's funny like do we are are we are we exactly who we were in high school (laughs) oh my god I think I think in a lot of ways we might I mean we we thought we were the cool kids because we did drama we were not Mm. oh it's such wankers oh my god like it's so embarrassing We were such losers. But I mean, you think about it, like, we're still, it's kind of like that alternative. We were alternative, right? Like, in, in, in a variety of ways, we had that kind of, that, that trope that we were, like, the cool ones with the cool music and wore the cool alternative clothes. And are we still that? Are we still trying to be that? Or do we still, not trying yeah. to be, but do we still kind of relate to ourselves as that? Just not so mainstream. Yeah. Uh, I, and that. I think I just gave up 
somewhere along the way. <laughs> like, and I, th I think I was probably in high school, I gave up towards year 12. Um, Cause I just found it all really too hard to navigate. Mm. And so I kind of tapped out, like I stopped having lunch at school. Um, I would just go home to my little apartment and have lunch on my own um, and, and do all these things. But I've, that's never stopped for me. I still do that as a grown up. I self-isolate. But I think we just, through our lives, are just trying to find the people that make us not feel like such weirdos. Yeah. You guys make Regardless me feel of demo. like not weirdos. Which is really nice. Bron, don't laugh. That was a that was a nice thing. You had to say something about Oh god. It. Oh good. This I was a compliment shower <laughs> coming my said, way. <laughs> when you said you guys make me feel I just swallowed my spit in the wrong way. How do I make you feel, Claire? Uh, but I mean this is I, I guess this is a for in a lot of ways, high school, you know, I think we both, we all found who we were a little bit more and found what we were comfortable with in year 11 and year 12 and we made friends with one another. And and there is a bit, there's a lot of acceptance in that, right? Like you've got weird bits, I've got weird bits. We've all got weird bits. We've all got foopers, let's fooper together. And here we are still like older and, and still just more comfortable, I suppose, with who we are because of those relationships with each other and ourselves, like being okay with being a weirdo. And I think what this will be a nice seg segue as well. So just watch for it, guys. It's Can't absolutely wait, seamless. Yeah. <laughs> so in high school, Steph, you were you seemed much more sure of yourself than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, um, like you know, you had your own. Like, you lived in an apartment, whereas every, all of us losers lived with our mad families. <laughs> um, you you like had that like a little bit of independence you had kind of had that like nudge into adulthood a little earlier than us mm. and you kind of were able to sift through the bullshit faster and so what was amazing is how you even though you had so much freedom you still made the decision to choose to do well at school yeah. which was definitely not something I did <laughs> and so you just kept like topping drama things like effortlessly getting 50 billion marks and then you're like oh wow well, okay cool no worries I'm just gonna head off home back to my um little apartment and have a chai by myself don't follow me and Claire and I were like as if we were gonna do that again and then and then you just so you just got such huge marks and then you just trotted off into adulthood like okay that was fun see ya goodbye guys and Claire and I were still wearing horrible chunky belts over leggings I really did love that look on you guys <laughs> And so we just, so it feels like it, life just kind of made sense to you. But considering all of these enormous marks that you got and all these achievements that you had, you still chose the creative path. And I'm wondering, did, your, did you have to change your approach at any stage or have you always just had this like really clear path of I'm going to do something in the creative world and I don't give a fuck if it's um, not what everyone else is doing or I don't care how difficult this is for someone to understand or how difficult it is for me to do I'm just going to do that um I think does that make I think I have always self-isolated as a coping strategy for myself because I have always thought that people and still do hate me behind my back um oh, Steph, that's <laughs> no, but it but it's a it's, Who are they? <laughs> it's you we'll guys kill them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to them right now. Um, 
No, but honestly, I I have I've chronic loneliness, and so I always have as a kid. So it was something that I kind of came to terms with as a grown up that I always felt alone in the world. And obviously, when you're you think you're alone in the world, you're that fucking fool who's like, I'm the protagonist. <laughs> I'm the protagonist in my own indie feature film. What a tool. Um, and so... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing, actually. It's beautiful. No, it's so narcissistic. But a lot of my, a lot of my high school years were... Uh, I would self-isolate because I was afraid of rejection. And so I often just worked hard. Like, um, one... You know how you were talking about how our teachers played favourites? This is how blatantly clear it was. I was doing two drama classes at the same time. Both had different teachers. One term, I got 43 as my score. The same term from the other teacher, I got 112 as my score. Um, That's not a score. <laughs> no, I, I know. It was rounded See, drunk. up. Drunk, drunk, drunk. <laughs> and I was like, aha, uh-huh, okay, so everything's rigged. It's so funny. Can you imagine, like, what's the mark? 11 to 12. 11 to 12. It's just brilliant. <laughs> But so I kind of figured out early on that the game is rigged um, and that people play favourites and that that was something I just had to kind of lean in, lean into. Um, Mm. But in terms of creativity, I've always done it as a form of escapism and I've always done it um, to process things in my own life. Again, I sound like a narcissist and I swear to God I'm not. No, you don't, man. Um, no, I, I probably am. So that's cool. I don't know. I'm just thinking about myself this whole time. I, so just whenever you're ready, you can just talk about me. But <laughs> I'll let you finish. I might just keep this sketching a picture of myself while you talk, though. I hope that's okay. You don't sound like a narcissist. You're just not very good at talking about. You're just not used to talking about yourself. That's the yeah. Only I find it intensely uncomfortable. Um, oh so great! We were pleased we you. brought that to you today. <laughs> thank you so much. But like, I I definitely have anxiety. I'm a grown up with anxiety. Last year, I was at my doctor's office and I was talking about something inane, and she just kind of says to me, "So uh, when when you'd like medication for your anxiety, just talk to me." And I was like, "I have I don't have anxiety." And then I went home and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> cool, cool, cool." Um, so that was something that was really interesting to kind of come to terms with because I think I create and I tell stories to escape myself um, in a in a weird way like you know we, we all did acting in school when you were acting did you feel like you were yourself or that you could be somebody else that's what I loved about it it was liberating to not be me for a hot second even though it was in a dumb Tom Waits play um, playing <laughs> Yeah, what, yeah oh. what, what, just like, what were you in that play, by the way? Claire was someone with multiple personalities. I was a character called Queenie who played, oh, the, right. <laughs> who played the viola. Oh, that's right. the queen. I was the queen. Um, so oh, I was yeah. mad. Um, that's good. Steph, you oh, and I did a lot of music same. together. I remember we yeah, played I was your like guitar manager. viola. Yeah, it was the best. I, what? I, was, I was your manager, I remember, for a hot minute, um, trying to get you gigs at uh, different pubs and venues in Garima Place. Oh. I had completely forgotten <laughs> about that. Oh I my hadn't. Gosh. I'd, made press, I'd made press releases and I sent them to um, the Bragg magazine. Did you really? <laughs> oh. And now I'm a famous musician. Worked yeah. out really well. 
we all lived up to our potential, haven't we? <laughs> so many dead dreams. <laughs> but of all of our stuff, I think like... I don't know about you guys, but I... Go on, Bron. I have actually fulfilled a dream. Um, I don't want to talk about myself too much, but I will. <laughs> I worked at the tuck shop today, so, <gasps> you know... Maybe if you guys want to talk about it. failure, maybe just talk about yourselves, <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah. But like, Continue. I, mean, I, I feel like I feel like you, Bron and I, uh, are kind of done. We're 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 late bloomers in that we have you know we're we're both in our mid thirties now, and I have only really recently started to do the things that we actually want to do with our lives. I mean. Like Bron, you you know, battling out in comedy and doing so well with you know with with gigging, but you know, still like still in the first what is it, eighteen months yeah, of your career, start. and yeah. and I like you know like I've I'm still figuring out what the shit I want to do with my life, but you know it's it's only recently that I've become you know been brave enough to try. But Steph, you you just marched out and you're like I'm brave enough now, yeah, <laughs> in a way that that Bron and I just weren't. I mean like you are you you you've always just been so remarkably clever and driven and I admire that so much yeah I mean it's all a lie though <laughs> it's um <laughs> yeah mm. um it's none of it's the truth I like I but I have known forever what I wanted to do I have known forever and I had a conversation with my nan in the Wagga Wagga McDonald's when I was five and I remember it vividly because mm. she was my speech and drama teacher as well and a hyper realist which is what I am now but um she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to make movies. And she said, well, you're a girl from Wagga. Uh, what's, your B, what's your plan B? And, I, <laughs> and then I, um, people always used to say to me, like, oh, you're very argumentative and opinionated. You'd be a great lawyer. Um, and I, was, I just kind of always was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to make movies. And I, even at that conversation, I said to my nan, I'm not having a plan B. And she was like, well, that's silly, but good for you, Steffi. And, um, <laughs> and so I feel like my whole life has been trying to prove my man wrong. Um, oh, no, yeah. it's not been. She's good. still alive. Um, <laughs> go, Nan. Um, well, what does she say? But what does she say now, now that you're actually doing all of this? Oh, it's absolutely insignificant and not good enough. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, that's fine. I've like, I narrate. So I do a weird mix of things because I can't live off one job. Um, mm. And so I've narrated audio books and I remember I sent, uh, I sent the CD recording of one of the audio books I'd narrated to her and she was like, oh, yes, um, the story wasn't very good, was it? And um, <laughs> it, I didn't write she was it. like, you could work on this. And I was like, thanks so much. Um, <laughs> so helpful. But uh, the thing that has taken off for me and the, the part of my career that has kind of come the most comfortably and it's all it's all because of the the me too movement and getting more women behind this behind the scenes in filmmaking has been as a writer director so i i've made a lot of commercials and i've made a lot of shorts but i absolutely don't feel like i've made fucking anything uh, of note or that i'm anywhere satisfied with my career like i always joke that i'm doomed to be um constantly dissatisfied mm. and but that's a but that's a drive for you yeah, though right like imagine if you is, like if you didn't have it you wouldn't you'd, if you're like oh, i did it I've, I've reached my apex like you wouldn't be going yeah exactly i've finished <laughs> yeah but do you do you reckon that would feel really nice 
to be comfortable. Probably. <laughs> and at, at peace. So, I don't know what it feels yeah, like. Life goes forever. <laughs> life goes for so long. so long. I'm just like, so long. We've got like, I don't know, 45 years to go. At least if you were, years If you go. were finished. Four. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if you had finished, so if you if you go for a drive with Claire, much less time. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah, is, great. if you have... <laughs> Yeah, but it, like if like if, if if we finish now, this is why I'm amazed when people will start like a job when they're like 22, as like a you know say well the only thing I'm really familiar with is as, as a teacher, and there are people who start their careers at 22, and then they stay there until they retire at seven, like 67, and I'm like how how was that enough then? And I i love that for them yeah. i'm like this is great imagine feeling comfortable at 22 to be like mm. that's enough like that's great that's wonderful but that's just not i couldn't do i can't do that mm. and i'm glad i can't do that well that's the thing i'm i look at that with a sense of longing um and you know i always knew i wanted to leave my country town i always knew i wanted to do what i am trying and still not achieving mm. um at for a living but um, I look back at the girls at home and they have their families and their jobs and they're at peace and they're happy. And I, a part of me for a really long time just um, mourned that that wasn't going to ever be a part of my existence. Because the thing is, I don't always want to be the person that's looking forward at the next thing that's always going, oh, well, maybe the next career milestone I'll be happy or if I earn this amount on my next job that that'll make me feel like I'm ticking boxes. I actually don't think that's how to live a life either. So I don't know what is. I think there's, uh, so I for ages thought that I wanted to be a CEO and I've worked really, you know, the last <laughs> hilarious drive, me. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh. No, it's, it's funny. Um, and so I worked, you know, for the last, gosh, eight or ten years on, on that trajectory and, you know, I reached, I reached executive level last year and realised that it was wrong. So wrong, and then it actually made me really, really miserable. Mm. And that, despite having you know ticked all the boxes about you know to, towards you know this goal, this silly goal I set for myself of being a CEO by 40, like I that it was it was just making me really miserable, and that the, the holes in my life were creative, and that that mm. the, the, the just part of that fundamental discontent that I was experiencing was because I'd been striving toward absolutely the wrong thing but on paper like I'd done it all right like I was married mm. I had kids my career was going really 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 well but I was frustrated and I was dissatisfied and now I'm at a stage of my life at 34 where I'm like okay what is my career and what is it going to be and what do I want to do and I don't know what that is but I know that that the discontent and that drive is still in me but I also wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have it and mm. I, I think that I, I get I get where you're coming from because I look at people who have like quite you know they, they have that 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 white picket fence life and that dream mm. and and they do that there's a content to them and there's a settling in them that I've never been able to achieve and mm. I, I like it would be really lovely to be like that and just to be like where I am is enough and I'm I don't I don't have that either well, but also, why did you want to be a CEO, a CEO? Is that because it was like something that you could have done? So it was like, if that's the highest thing I could do, then that's what I should do. I think is it was back around to the stuff that's just talking about, about just like having that kind of just not very strong sense of self or sense of like, 
I don't know, like, so, so if you achieve something like a CEO or, you know, like director of a huge film or like you've mm. kind of, you've proved, you've proved yourself, right? You've proved, you've proved mm. that you're, you're worth something and that you mm. can do it because, you know, whatever it is, it, it's something about kind of defining and determining your self-worth. But, mm. yeah. I place a lot of my self-worth in my career. Mm. Um, the way that I view myself is absolutely shaped by what's happening in my career um, and that is an <laughs> intensely unhealthy way to be because I'm, you know, I'm also a mum and um, I'm all of these other things arguably like a <laughs> big jerk but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's my career that I hold the most value in and I absolutely am so far from ever achieving what I want to. What so do that's you want to achieve, one. Steph? Like, what is your what, mm. what is this thing that you're striving towards? <laughs> uh, I, truthfully, I want to. It's so wanky. Uh, it's re- get ready. I want to direct blockbusters. <laughs> that's not wanky. But it's like, amazing. amazing. And why no, is it's... it? Why is it wanky? Why? I mean, mm. like, would you say that to any of the directors that you look up to while they were still striving that it was a wanky idea? Why? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's the opposite of wanky because I guess wanky would be like I want to direct indies, which I do do want to do as well um but blockbusters are absolutely looked down upon in in my career a little bit like um you know popcorn movies big entertainment explosions i fucking love them Armageddon is one of my favourite films and I don't oh even God. mean it ironically. And like, Deep Impact but versus oh. Deep Impact. Do you remember when that was like there were two of every right. movie? It was Volcano and Dante's Peak. There was Dante's Peak Deep was Impact. so good. Such a banger film. Like I love that shit and I grew up on that shit in Wagga. That's what we had at our cinemas. Like I remember the first indie film that I watched was probably something like um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And, mm-hmm. and so, <laughs> so I, I came to them late. Um, and I have looked at my career going, oh, yeah, I want to blow shit up for a living. But (laughs) even everyone I talk to who does that now or has had some insight into how that structure works is like, well, if you do that, you're just a part of the machine. Okay, cool, I'll just be a cog in the wheel. I'm really happy to do that. (laughs) Sounds amazing. Please sign me up. Um, Mm. So, like, the thing that I want to do is looked down upon a little bit um in some circles of my career um but that's okay uh yeah but that's every every, everyone every yeah (laughs) like gen z's look down on us for sure exactly yeah but every single scene that you're in they don't like it for whatever reason it's nothing to do with you it's just to do with like they chose not to do it and then they have like put all these labels next to it like sellout Mm -hmm. or I don't know, whatever the hell everyone, anyone thinks blockbusters are. Mm. Um, you know, so I, I think that whichever one you chose, you're, ne- you're just going to have people who are going to be like, oh, is that what you chose? Mm. Oh, mm. cute. I mean, one, one thing you would love to do, for example, would be like um, like hosting a radio show, right? You'd love that. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Like, there's heaps <laughs> of things that I want to do. I actually don't know. When someone says, what are you doing? Like, where do you want to be? I actually don't know. Mm. At all. I don't have... I love that you had that answer, Steph. I love that you were like, I want to direct blockbusters. Mm. I don't know. I just know it's... Um, I'm not going to find it by sitting down 
and doing mm. nothing and just been trying all these different things i'm like maybe this is it maybe <laughs> this is it or maybe this is it for six months and maybe this is it for a year yeah. and i love that i am able to do that right now it's it's just the best ever but in like comedy like if you if you said in com- in the comedy scene mm. i want to do radio then that would be like oh how embarrassing especially commercial radio yeah oh really loser yeah, but I'm sure it's pretty. I'm, I'm like I don't I don't know anything about it apart from they get paid heaps. Um, <laughs> um, so unless you're sounds, a triple J. Uh. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So I think that there's um, yeah, but I, that, you know, like Claire Hooper who did radio, uh, she said to me, "Don't do it. I don't think oh, you'll like okay. it." Yeah, she said, "I don't think you'll like it," which is fair enough. And but I mean, who like who cares? I might I might do it one day. I might not do it one day. I might go back to being a teacher. Don't say that, Claire. I think. <laughs> Keep your opinion to yourself, Claire. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I was thinking the other day that if there were something that you would be absolutely suited to, that it would be radio. And it's because you have the knack to kind of talk underwater, but make mm. it make it relatable and likeable. And so the thing is, oh. like, there are things in our life where we go, I would love to achieve X, Y, Z, but our skill set or our personality can only maybe mean we achieve Z. Um, and yeah. so I, what I struggle with is how do you find the happiness along along the way? Like my grandma, she's in an old folks home. She's a delightful human being and she's got Alzheimer's and dementia. And um, they, inter- they interviewed her about her life. And she one of her quotes was, I was always ordinary, um, full stop. And, um, but I was always, but I always tried to be kind to people. And my whole thing is I've always tried to be kind, but I'm terrified of being ordinary. And so when I read Mm. her say that about herself and define her existence as underlined ordinary, I burst into tears. I was at home and I burst into tears because I, I, that's one thing that I'm very afraid of, Mm. but there's nothing wrong with ordinary. And this Mm. is the thing. So I'm always at odds. And it's finding well, the happiness yeah. in the ordinary as well. I mean, like, that's the tricky bit because that's where happiness comes from, right? The day-to-day. Yeah. It's not in reaching the goals. I, I struggle with that as well. Like, you know, like, you, you're supposed to... You, fi- you should find that joy and happiness, like watching mm. your children play in the mm-hmm. front yard or, you know, like, having, a like, a lovely moment on a walk with a friend. Yeah. But but when you when you can't... When you, when you don't relate to happiness and joy and fulfilment in that way and you're looking for those big goals, it's kind of like deciding to be to be a bit miserable and a bit dissatisfied, right? Because the, the happy people are the ones who can find that joy and contentment in the ordinary. And it's, yeah, it's something I'm really bad at too. Well, I think with our grandparents' generation, ordinary was a good thing. Yeah. You know, she's a lovely ordinary girl. You strive to achieve that. To, yeah, to stand out stand out was often not a very good thing at all mm. um so my nan would That's have probably used that that adjective as well i'm i'm just an ordinary girl and that would have been a nice thing mm. but you know our our generation especially the generation below us they get an award for everything <laughs> like you go you know you go to assembly mm. a school assembly and every single kid will get an award for something mm. and it's like well that has not made any of this the any of the like actually good awards mean anything yeah because we're like everyone's extraordinary <laughs> we're all extraordinary like, we're not we're not all extraordinary and it's a silly thing to try and teach kids because they're gonna you know when the real world hits them they're gonna be like what 
in primary school they said that I was special and that I was extraordinary and I'm just ordinary. <laughs> but are you are what you guys fuck? raising your kids to be comfortable losers? Like I absolutely am. <laughs> I'm I am I reinforce it. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to raise them I mean Nefreda's too young to be raised, she's fine. But um, Stevie, I'm trying to raise that uh, the biggest struggle at the moment is to understand that anything worth doing is hard work. Like she's the kind of kid who'll mm. try something once and she's like, it's too hard and she'll give it up. Like I bought her a book on sketching and it's like step by step, like mm. how to like make a shape of an animal and like colour it in and get better every time. And she got through the first page and she's like, I don't like it. I'm not very good at it. I'm going to do something else. Like, and, and I think there's an expectation there and I don't know where it's come from where where she will st start something and she'll be amazing at it straight away and she'll be the best at it and she refuses mm. to entertain an idea if she's not going to be the best at it she's not going to do it mm. and that's something that hilarious. I need to unpack because she wants to be amazing and the best, best. all the time straight yeah. away right she's now. always been like that it's so funny and she's done so many things like taekwondo I know <laughs> taekwondo and like basketball and things and Stevie's just like <laughs> the least athletic kid ever and you're like hey Stevie are you very good at taekwondo She's like, yeah, I'm really I'm good. amazing. I'm the best one there. <laughs> I went her teacher the other week and, and Kelly's like, she, she sure loves to tell everyone that she's the smartest kid in the class. I'm like, what? <laughs> I had to have a talk oh, to her no. about it. I was like, Stevie, you know, I'm really glad that you feel really, like, really confident about yourself, but it's probably not going to make other people feel very good if you always go around telling everyone you're smartest. And they're like, well, the other kids think that Lou's the smartest, but he's not. I'm the smartest. I'm like, wait, <laughs> like, where's... It's lovely that you've got this self-esteem, but... Mm. but no, pair it back, mate. Like you've got to learn to work for what you've got. So yeah, I don't know. I, whatever, whatever I should be instilling them uh, in her, I'm not doing it very well. Yeah. So Claire, Claire's doing the opposite of you, Steph. Yeah, exactly. Well, I feel like life is a life is a duality, though. Of because obviously, if that were my Edie, Edie is a high achiever as well. My Edie, and um, she loves to feel like she's the smartest in the class. And then I tend to do this thing where I'm like, well. You're probably not, mate, and that's okay. Um, so all, all good. But don't you reckon, like, it's nice for someone to have a good self-esteem? Like, I, I don't remember what that feels like. Yeah, and I wish I was as self-assured as my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> when does that get beaten out of us? Probably around now. Edie's eight, so that's <laughs> exactly. all, all my fault. Her mum, you're not the smartest. You're, doing it. you're probably the shittest, but, you know, I wouldn't say that straight away. <laughs> You're probably utterly average, my love. Well done. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard because we, we have to try and tread this line of being not too anything but not, like not too good, but being average is terrifying and then being really shit is also the, the worst. So what are we? We're just this limbo. I, I don't know, but with, with what you're doing, Steph, because you always have to, like, and I can see how uncomfortable you are when we just listed off very modest uh, achievements that you have done. Like, even just some of them were like, she's worked in and we just listed some platforms. We didn't say all of the actual things you've done. We haven't said the things that you've been nominated for and for you were deeply uncomfortable with, like, yeah, we didn't say anything. Like, we were so, so, so modest and you were deeply uncomfortable <laughs> with it. You're like, I don't like it. But you're in the field where you have to sell yourself mm. And to be like, no, no, I'm, I deserve this role. Or I deserve to, to do that. I'm, I'm capable of doing this. How does that work for you when your natural instinct is to say, I'm a bit shit? <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm so quite... my kids. <laughs> so my kids, <laughs> yes, by the way. Especially um, <laughs> Shit. I'm, con I'm constantly at odds. I find that I... So 
I can pretend, I can pretend, even being on set and directing, you know, there's this thing that we talk about where basically each actor needs a different type of director. So I can kind of, it's enough that I shape myself into whatever that person needs from me to be able to do their job and then I go home and I don't want to talk to anyone um, for another 24 hours. But I, I find it exhausting, but it's also the only thing that I love. Um, so it, it's a double-edged sword for me. I, we pitch a lot in my career, so in commercials, what we do constantly is bid, bid on jobs. So we basically, we put our hand up and we go, pick me for a living. And then often it's like, put your hand down, uh, not you this time. Um, and so I'm, co I'm <laughs> constantly getting rejected um, f forever, which is something I've grown very comfortable with, rejection. Um, but having said that, I think every time I get rejected, like uh, it'll start to hurt me on one side of my career so I'm getting rejected in my commercials or something and so I'll push towards my narrative stuff where it's kind of like, well, you can't tell me what I can and can't do, I'll do it on my own and then that people watch my films and they're like, they're the worst and so then I go back to commercial world. So, <laughs> so I kind of tread the line between the two of them. Um, but I do feel like a big fat liar sometimes, like I... Um, I've luckily signed with a production company that allows me to be myself and allows me to be self-deprecating. Like when I first signed with them, I asked them to include in the press release that one of my skills was that I could sing every word of shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker from South Park. Because <laughs> um, I didn't, I was terrified. I was terrified of um, people in the ad world reading this press release, like award-winning, big, douchebag um, and, and thinking mm. that was me because that's not me. I'm not that. I'm, um, I struggle to talk about that. I find myself deeply uncomfortable when I do have to talk about stuff, even like when I see friends and they're like, so what are you working on? I can't answer the question comfortably because I feel like everything is a lie. Um, and that, that's only because every, every single part of what we do for a living as storytellers has the capacity to disappear in an instant. Mm. Um, I can be awarded a job and the job never never goes into production or the job never makes it onto air. And so if I've shot something but nobody can ever see it, did it really exist? You know, tree falls in the woods. Um, mm. And so I've gotten used to d diminishing my mm. work because it feels safer to me and it also feels more honest. Um, I can talk about things that exist, but if I'm talking about tangibles, nine times out of 10, that's gonna go away and you're gonna think that I lied. And I struggle with that. Hmm. We always thought you were a liar. But, then, <laughs> but, but in your field though, surely you're like an anomaly. There's no one, surely you work alongside people with huge amounts of confidence and bravado that are like, this is what I do and this is why I am amazing. Do you, do they get awarded jobs because of that? Yeah, sometimes over me, absolutely. Yep. And I think I've made my peace because what I kind of tend to lean on is if somebody didn't like me for me um, then and they've made a decision not to work with me based on that, then that's absolutely okay because we both would have been intensely unhappy. Um, mm -hmm. at my career is one of relationships. Um, and I think the only way to approach that is from a place of truth 
and if if we don't get along then why are we going to enjoy showing up and working together you know that's yeah. fine you think i'm a bogan that's okay i am you know, you know. I love the McDonald's in Wagga. <laughs> we had three of them at one point. Um, you know, like I, I've, I've been okay for my whole life. I've always been okay with people not necessarily, me not being their cup of tea, basically. Because yeah. I've, and I've always been really bad with faking it and with bullshit. Um, I just struggle with it and so and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I am an anxious human being and I overanalyze everything and so it's not just myself in social interactions that I overanalyze but it's how people perceive me or um, themselves and and so a, a lot of what I do is just trying to stay afloat in my career um, and trying to survive through it even though it's what I love and I could do anything else I just don't choose to yeah so has there ever been a point and sorry Claire I'm asking all the questions I'm just very fascinated right now has there been a point in your career as a creative where you have thought I'm gonna get like a and I'm using like inverted commas these little things a real job uh yeah um absolutely um, like, I mean, I was an admin assistant at the ABC for many, many, many years um, and I, I have questioned that recently, you know, in a pandemic, you kind of, you go, oh, yeah. I work in the arts, this is the safest Ooh. of all industries. <laughs> uh, um, but I kind of came to the point where I was like, but, and even though it's funny because I'm not happy. I'm not a happy person, <laughs> but I would go, I would look at that and go, but if I were doing that, I'd be even more, yeah. I'd be even less happy. Um, so why would I put myself in that situation? Um, no, I think I just haven't wanted to succumb to the fact that I'll never buy a home and I'll never have any kind mm. of job, job security. Um, and I'm just trying, my whole life is just trying to not get overwhelmed and, and drown. I'm just trying to keep my he head above water, basically. And if your kids said to you, hey, mum, and they're in high school by this stage in my story, hey, mum, I'm going to do exactly what you've done. I'm going to, what your life looks like the dream to me, what would you say to them? I would help them. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. I, I would help them only because um, I can. I would be in a position yeah. where I could. And I, you know, you guys would know what it's like when you come from a small town and you don't have the parents who can hook you up with the job and there isn't mm. the nep nepotism to fall back on. Um, I would lean in. Yeah. <laughs> I would lean into that, to my connections, absolutely. But I'd also be like, but if, if I do this for you, if I use this connection, you better not fuck it up, kiddo. Mm. Um, <laughs> so... It'd come with a healthy dose of reality, but I would, I would want to help them because I, I want, I, I still, I'm a grown up. I want someone to help me all the time. Yeah. Like, do you guys yeah. have mentors? I want that. I want a mentor. Yeah. Fuck I love yeah. One. You've got a mentor. Yeah. But I have, yeah. Claire Hooper, Claire Hooper's helped me heaps of times mm. and it was such a warm place to be mm. but I did the only the only thing that were, were, was maybe not great about that was at some state like if I turned up to gigs with Claire um 
people would like talk to me mm. oh uh, no oh like, no yeah. god yeah no that was like that was the good bit and they would like acknowledge my existence but the bad thing was is if I went to that exact same gig the next week without her people would not talk to me and I got I started to get a bit um I started to get a bit uh, suspicious mm, or mm-hmm. I thought that people thought that Claire was helping me write my jokes mm. or writing my jokes for me. Oh. And then – and I just got into my own head. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. And so I asked, I asked her, I was like, do you think people are writing my jokes for you? And she was like, no, because I'm not. And I was like, yeah, but can you tell them that? <laughs> and she was like, no, I don't care about anyone that you care about. So I, th- I, think that, I think that sometimes people thought that she was giving me a huge leg up when mostly there were sometimes where she helped me with a couple of gigs, but I mean, like she was mostly just like the calming voice mm. in a in, mm. a in a world I didn't understand. Mm. Where she was like, "Fuck that! Like, who cares? It didn't go well. Doesn't matter. Move on." This like it was really nice to have her there, but mm. um, I think that people didn't like that I had a, a connection that good. Yeah, it's like you so have it, to make it, it on your own to have actually really made it, and it's and yeah. it, you know, it's, it's weird, right? But there's nothing. Mm. There's nothing more helpful and beautiful than somebody who sees kind of something special in you and wants to lift you up. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd kill for a mentor. It'd just be so mm. rewarding and so important. It's um, and it's it's yeah. it's not a free ride. It's just someone who sees. It's somebody has seen the talent in you, and it's like that's something mm. worth me investing in. And and like they're giving you advice that means something. They're not yeah. just like, mm. well, just this, blah blah. Like it, it was, it was so helpful. She's, she still is. Like I was still just text her all the time. Yeah. So 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 helpful. And I like even though I say that the only negative thing was that I worried people thought she was writing my jokes. I'd still happily, I'd still never give her up. Yeah, just like just go along with the with a placard around her neck next time. Yeah. <laughs> still go. Um, yeah, I think there's something really heartening as a um, creative person, or even God, as an entrepreneur or anything, to have somebody who sees you as a person of value. I think is inten- mm. intensely important um, when you're trying to make shit happen, even if that's selling cookies and cakes for a living. Um, because if you, I, I don't know, you can, you can tell yourself over and over, oh, you've got this, you can do this, you can try and fake self-esteem and do all of these things. But if somebody fortifies that by actually yeah, believing you. And believes and in you, yeah. I think there's a lot of value in that. And um, it, we don't do it much in Australia. We really don't. We do it really? heaps in America. Mm. Uh, they they do it. I'm not fucking American. Um, <laughs> they do it heaps. You're from Wagga, yeah. Steph. I mean, you've already told it's us that. It's literally the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. Um, but but that's something we we don't do much, do we? I don't know why. I think we need to get, I mean, and this is a great, like, looping back around to our conversation at the beginning, like, this is a great way to kind of reach across the generations, right? And maybe mm. if we're having the same conversation in 10 years where I imagine that we've all done at least something more, mm. maybe, like, that's time for us to, to kind of reach out to the next generation and be like, okay, I, I, I have skills that I can pass on and I've got learnings that I can pass on and I can mm. give you a leg up. Mm. And, you know, I see I see the value in you, particularly, mm. you know, with other people who identify as women, just like passing on that, that knowledge intergenerationally. And I will do it with side part and skinny leg jeans because they'll be back in. They will be back in in 10 years. <laughs> 
before you know it <laughs> just hold on for dear life oh the circle of life and purpose continues yeah. oh Steph it's, it's been it's been such a joy and so so interesting to talk to you and thank you for being so candid and so bloody just forthcoming with us it's really refreshing for people to come forward and not give I don't know just not to be like everything's great and easy mm. and I really love it mm. it's because it's, it's not what everybody actually thinks and feels we just put on this this scores and I think it's yeah you're you're bloody breath of beautiful air mate <laughs> a realistic a realistic millennial air and we're gonna we've needed we'll, it. we'll link to we'll link to some of Steph's work on insta you know you might have also realized that she's the voice of a children's a children's character <laughs> beloved children's character that we all our children definitely know this is who to gadget that we're talking to you got that right hello <laughs> it's so cool it's so a little cool, gadget so cool. 713 <laughs> episodes mate sorry everyone oh <laughs> thank you so much Steph we've been good Sheila's you are a gem and it's been a joy. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, mates.